Hello. Hey. Hey. Are you hey there? Okay. Oh, I don't know why my video is not working. Okay. There we go. There you go. <laughs> All right. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Good, good. Just uh, you know, another day in paradise. Can't complain. Right. Yeah. So that uh, I, I uh, I'm very uh, thankful to live in in Southern California. Was, you know it. I agree hundred percent. Like I've lived other places and you know, I'm, I, you know, I know our gas is $5 and the, <laughs> the housing market is absolutely ridiculous, but you know, it, it it's, uh, you know, I, I've lived Oklahoma, lived in Wisconsin and I just, man, I'll take it. I, you know, people all oh, moved to Phoenix. I'm like, it's not worth it. Like I don't want 120 degrees in the summer. Like, yeah. If I live in Phoenix, all I'll, Every time I lived outside of the state, all I could do was be like, oh, I can't wait to get back. Right. You know, so. Awesome. Well, hey, let me uh, give an uh, official raise the bar welcome to Jeremy Fisher. Uh, he's been very gracious and given us our time here on Raise the Bar. I'm your host, Troy Haynes. Uh, we're trying to grow this podcast into something that will um, benefit uh, both young jumpers, uh, coaches, um, anybody who's interested in learning how to jump higher, farther, faster. Um, and I was, um, led by many people to get in touch with Jeremy. Um, my good friend, Doug Nordquist was the one who threw your name out at me uh, amongst others. And, uh, I just recently was like, what, what would be a, another good podcast guest? Cause, uh, we're going through a run of, uh, Olympic trial high jumpers right now between, uh, Doug and Leo back in, uh, 84. And then, um, more recently, uh, Jumpman Westner, and um, who else do we got? Um, Tyler Arroyo. And then I've, I've actually had a, a couple Canadian jumpers. So, um, and I, I, when I mentioned that to Doug, he was like, yeah, that's great, but we need to get, uh, you know, some other angles going there. So um, your name came up and I, I've got to admit, I know uh, precious little uh, about your background, but I figured this would be the perfect opportunity to, uh, to get that information. So um I think I lost Jeremy. Lost him, lost him, lost him. Let's see if he calls back. I can always edit this out later. I am only participant in the Zoom call. all right i i apologize yeah i'm just gonna keep my video off because uh it seems like i I swear to god i i pay for extra strong internet and from like six o'clock till ten o'clock my internet is right questionable best and i'm just like i keep telling myself i'm gonna cancel at&t and and yeah, I don't, but it, it's crazy. Like, I don't understand how, you know, basically I have an athlete staying with me, but I basically live by myself and the internet never works between those hours. I don't know what it is either. I, I do the same thing with, um, you know, you hear uh, T-Mobile is like, oh, we got 5G now. We're better than Verizon. It's like, there's so many places I don't get 
coverage and oh yeah you know, it's just a nightmare but yeah i'm just going to keep my screen up my video off maybe no, that no, that's, that's stuff, so. perfect thing especially this podcast has been all uh you know audio anyway okay perfect, perfect. <laughs> but uh i was doing the the send-up i can i can edit it out anyway um okay the send-up was uh i was started talking about the uh the olympic high jumper run uh olympic trials high jumpers that i've been uh interviewing for a while now so it's uh over the summer when i was in um uh i was down in cabo with my wife and uh i actually had just gotten through with one with doug and then i got leo williams from the 84 which mm-hmm. was you know old guys like me and then uh, I got Jumpman Wesner, you know, from this last one in 2021, um, Tyler Arroyo, who I'm sure yep. you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. And um, then um, who else did I get in there? I got Paul Gallus from uh, up in Canada. Okay. Uh, so a, a widespread, and I've got a couple gals that are, are ready to come on. Um, Barbara Bachaka from Canada, who jumped in the 2016 Olympic trials up in Canada. And then also... Um, just last year, Chinyenye from uh, Azusa Pacific. Okay. And um, she, she qualified this last year. So she's going to follow you. I had her slated for earlier this week, but she had something come up. So, but uh, those are all Olympic high jumpers. And then, um, like I said, Doug, you know, steered me towards you and said, you'd be a a great to talk to. And I I was like, I know I've I've heard that name. I think I'm following him. And I keep hearing it come up, you know, with the training center and everything. So I'm just going to cut you loose for a while. And um, I want to, you know, talk about um what you have going on down there and um you know what your your dreams and everything else i don't even know your uh personal you know history why don't you tell us where you you started uh your jumping career high school and college and all that stuff okay yeah um well i i can follow in the line of high jumpers even though my success more or less is the triple and long and that's where mm-hmm. i got all my medalists and stuff but uh I was a 7'4 high school high jumper from Camarillo, California. Went to Camarillo High School, was state champion, and I don't even want to tell you, but 1994, uh, number one high jumper in the country uh, my senior year in high school. Uh, went on a full scholarship to University of Wisconsin-Madison, uh, stayed for grad school also, uh, jumped seven six and a half, and was uh, second at U.S. Indoors and was my highest finish, and I was, uh, I think, seventh at the trials in 2000. Okay. Um, just had a bad day. Literally, I should have, if I'd have just repeated what I did indoors, I would have made the Olympic team in 2000. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I was 22 and I was kind of a grad assistant and uh, I wasn't even supposed to do track. I was actually going to go to, I wanted to go to med school and uh, just kind of fell in love with it in grad school and, uh, you know, went on the road of coaching and kind of was, you know, very successful, very early. And, uh, you know, I think I obviously had some good teachers. My, my coach, Mark Naper at Wisconsin, um, Ed Nuttycomb was head coach. And then I went through the coaching education with USA track and field with Dan Path and, um, you know, Boo Sexnader and, and, uh, Vern Gambetta and, uh, uh, um, gosh, I can't Clifford Velto. So, I mean, I had some great, great mentors and then, from that too, once I learned I was going to coach, I had a master's in nutrition. I was like, well, it's not really going to help me. So I got a master's in exercise, phys and biomechanics. It was supposed to be a grad and at Northridge was ended up being a full-time coach. And while I was there, um, you know, we had a got three years we or five years. We had three national champions, one high jump, one long jump and uh, two in the long jump. And so wow. really, you know, built a program at Northridge and, uh, you know, got, uh, really educated why I was there. Um, and then, 
uh, went on and was at the University of Oklahoma. And there I was able to, uh, you know, coach. We, we, we took a team that had won in a, a conference championship in 27 years. And we won two, one, uh, one indoor, one outdoor uh, while I was there. Um, and also our women finished fourth at NCAAs too. And so coaching became kind of one of those, uh, you know, things where I was pretty fortunate to find success early, but uh, I also made sure I educated myself um, from a, you know, a standpoint of learning a lot of different things. So, uh, you know, making sure I, um, uh, Learn not just from U.S. coaches, but coaches all over. Wolfgang Ritzdorf, who was in Germany, uh, Neil Moro, who was in uh, Brazil, um, Franz Bosch, who was in the Netherlands at the time. So um, I did just, you know, really reached out and became a professional coach. You know, I think uh, um, I expected to be in college my whole career, um, but I also, you know, kind of wanted to learn, you know, truly. I wasn't just a coach because I coached. I was a true you know, student of the game. I was learning from the best, talking to the best, asking the questions, you know, traveling. My vacations were traveling to different countries to meet with coaches. Right. When I was young. That was what I did for vacation. I didn't, you know, go places just to hang out. Like, you know, and, and that's no disparage to other coaches, but it's just, I just had such a thirst for knowledge as a young coach. And, um, you know, been at the training center since 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, since I've been there, I've been able to coach 50 athletes to 15 world and Olympic medals. Um, also, um, you know, coached over probably 15 or so Paralympic uh, medalists at the world and Olympic level. I uh, had world record holders, uh, you know, uh, gold medalist, uh, all these different kind of things. I've just been pretty fortunate with my coaching. And then from my standpoint, I, I coach and teach for the long, I help write the coaching education for USA Track and Field. I just got finished writing and helping the coaching education for world athletics um, for the long and the triple. And, uh, you know, and then talked in probably 20 different countries and probably been to like over 30 different states giving presentations and talks and stuff like that. So, you know, it's really just uh, (laughs) been uh, married to the sport and married to, uh, you know, just teaching, learning all these different things with it. Outstanding. Um, Well, that's a lot in one, one, well organized cogent stream um so the seven four you went to camarillo which um you know those of you that aren't from california um uh, when i was in high school i jumped against a young man named victor naring who yep. from camarillo. Mm-hmm. and uh you know he was um i think it was is it camarillo high school yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. adolfo camarillo high school yeah 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 so um wow that's awesome so there's there's that tie there then seven four got you the state title, and then how'd you do it? I, I know Lee Balkin still holds the the state record at the high school meet itself at seven three. Uh, yeah, how, how high did you have to go to win state? I, I jumped actually. It's funny. I jumped higher as a junior. I think I jumped seven one or two seven one maybe two. I forget and got second, which is kind of crazy. And then my senior year, I jumped seven feet, and then I just you know it's funny because I did not jump well at that meet. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I literally jumped seven, four and I jumped over seven two eight different times. Wow. I jumped, I jumped over seven feet, 26, 26 or 28 different times in high school. Wow. So I was, a, you know, just literally every meet I was jumping seven feet. It was just, 
I was a product of consistency. I jumped seven feet for the first time my junior year and between my junior and senior jumped over, I think I jumped seven to eight times, you know, like, so I always, I mean, I jumped well all the time. I jumped mountain sack. Yeah. yeah. You know? And so uh, it was, and I'm only five, nine. So that was pretty significant. Right. Obviously for height overhead and stuff like that. But uh, um, at the state meet, I jumped seven feet. So didn't come close to that. Um you know, and, and really like I won up because I made on my first attempt. I remember I was nervous as a kid, uh, forget his name, but he actually was behind me in the order and he PR'd at seven feet. Right. And we were, I think went to seven, two. And, uh, I just, I don't even know how I missed it three times. I mean, I was always pretty, you know, pretty consistent and, uh, just kind of, I guess got lazy. And then, um, he ended up, I think, uh, he ended up missing on his third attempt. And then that gave me the state title, but easily he could have uh, beat me in on that day because he had the you know driver's seat so uh but you know i mean i was able to jump uh gosh i think i was able to you know go and um jump well you know when it counted the most you know like at mount sack that was kind of one of my things that i liked and so i jumped 611 as a sophomore 72 as a junior and 73 as a senior at Mount Sac. Like that place, yeah. I love that place to jump. <laughs> and still, and I even jumped seven six for the first time post collegiately um at uh um at Mount Sac. So that yeah. was always like my place. Now was was that the old SAC with the downhill approach in the main stadium? Like so my sophomore and junior year, yes. And then my senior year they switched to apron. And that was my first time. It was actually the first time they switched to the other end. Right. And uh that was I jumped seven three and gosh that day I, I remember moving the bar to the national high school record of like seven five new quarters. And I remember like on my second or third attempt, like we still were wondering like how the bar fell because it was like stayed uh, up there. I like landed on the mat, looked up and it was still there and then it trickled off. So uh, no, I just love jumping at uh Mount Sack and stuff like that. So that's wild. And, and it, Oh, and it's, no, and it's an interesting story because I'm adopted. I actually was born in Korea. I'm the product of a service man. And so I was adopted. Both my parents were white. So they were mm-hmm. both, you know, um, uh, you know, we had an interesting family. Had uh, myself, who's half black, half Korean. My sister, who's half black, half Korean. And my brother, who's full Korean. And uh-huh. then both my parents are white. So it was a very interesting thing. And Camarillo at the time was very small. I mean, Camarillo was only like probably 20,000 uh-huh. people and stuff like that. So it was a very safe um, you know, community and everything that's kind of funny happened to me has been just at the right time. I've been blessed, you know, just to have certain people through my life to be able to kind of like, just lead me through, you know, and it's like, you know, you look at the outliers kind of story and how everyone had something that happened to them. And, you know, mine was, I wasn't tall enough to be a good basketball player. So I ended up being a great high jumper and my high school coach, you know, Dennis Reed Miller coached, I mean, gosh, after me, I think he's coached at least two or three other seven foot high jumpers um, in high school. And, uh, but he was a high jumper and he literally, I remember freshman year, I got hurt, but I had a coach and he had no idea what he was doing. And it was, I remember it was terrible. And Dennis came my sophomore year, the first year I actually did a full year of track and it was just a blessing to have him. And he ended up, you know, we ended up doing great things together. So. Yeah. Let's it's funny. You mentioned that. Cause just, just last week I was talking with uh, Robert Atwater from uh Michigan he went to Saginaw Valley State and jumped 7-2 in high school and and actually no I'm sorry he went he jumped 7-2 his first year at Saginaw Valley State and uh made it to the trials in 2016 so uh he was a state champ in high school in Michigan 
and then, you know, did that. And then we were talking about how he said his home facilities were so awful that, that he basically PR'd every time he went anywhere else. And then I was <laughs> like talking about uh, how in high school, um, Lakewood high school for me was that place, you know, it seemed like every time I went there, I loved it there. Yeah. It was, it was, it's funny to hear you on a, on a much higher level talking about the same thing. So um, my other question uh, along the, the high school history was um, you have obviously coached at high levels, high jump and long and triple. Did you do the long and triple yourself also? In yeah. High- um, in high school, I jumped 23 feet, 23, two, 23, 10, something like that. I don't even remember anymore, um, but I jumped over 23 feet in high school and I triple jumped. I, I didn't even know. I, I didn't even know how far I triple jumped. I mean, I, it's uh, funny. One of my friends sent me a video and it was God awful as a triple jump coach. I'm embarrassed <laughs> to see that I jump like that. And uh, I think I jumped 45 something in high school. And literally I, we did it. I remember doing it at the conference or the league meets to score a point. Right. And uh, I did it, you know, at the league finals and we had won league at Camarillo for the first time ever. And that was back in Marmonte. And when the Marmonte league had, thousand oaks which was just like i mean they were so good i mean they were just like year in year out one and you know right. even marion transferred to thousand oaks and we beat them my senior year like and that was like huge and you know it was thousand oaks newberry park simi valley right um, uh royal channel islands westlake and agora and that was that was the, yeah so that was the yeah. the league back then i don't even know if you know, what's in the Marmonte anymore. I don't think Camarillo's in it, but, uh, um, and so it was huge to beat. And Agora was always great too, because they always had great distance runners. And, you know, I mean, Amy Skiris was right at my time, Ryan Wilson, you know, people like that. And so, mm-hmm. um, so it was pretty special to win. And so I was like, any way I can help. And so they put me in the high, long and triple. And, you know, I'd take a couple jumps in the high jump, take some in the long, take some in the triple and, you know, try to run if I could, but, uh, you know, we definitely, it was nice to win that league kind of thing. And, and it was, uh, might've been the first and only time we'd won it in like 30 years. So. Right. Wow. That's amazing. Um, did you make it to state in those other two events? Yes. I, I actually pulled out of the long jump. Cause I, I think I got runner up at CIF or one CIF. I think I, I, gosh, I'd have to look. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know my senior year, I'd either won it or got second. I, I don't remember. Um, and then obviously made it and we just decided, Hey, since I hadn't won state, let's just concentrate on uh high jump. But I mean, in college, I j- ended up jumping like 25 and, you know, r- just under 50, like 49. Cause I, I'd scored at the comp big 10 meet in all three of them. And, um, you know, and was all American, obviously multi-time all American, the high jump, but not, uh, it was more a conference long jumper and, and triple jumper. Right. And, you know, we won the triple crown. Uh, my freshman, sophomore, and junior year at Wisconsin finished fourth my junior year at Nationals. Uh, was a trophy team, and then I think we got second, second, second my senior year in in college. So we were a very good Big Ten school, and uh, um, obviously I did as much as I could to contribute to score points and stuff like that. Now, knowing that you're uh, how much you like the uh, the sunshine, you talked about living in other places and and how grateful you are you're here. What prompted you to want to go from beautiful Camarillo back to the cold of Wisconsin? Um, you know, it, it's and not disparaging, but like when I graduated high school, I, I kind of wanted to stay in the area, but like there just wasn't these great high jump coaches. And it's sad because you don't have the information now available that you did back then. Like I could have, I could have seen, like I knew 
Tennessee had good high jumpers because they had two good guys. And then I knew Arkansas had high jumpers and they had two good guys. But, I, you know, I, I didn't really like either one of those schools just from a standpoint of just like, you know, I'm, I'm not, it just, it wasn't me. Right. But uh, my parent, my mom's from Chicago. And uh, so I like, I've been to Chicago many times and I went to Midwest uh, Mark Napier, who was only in his second year there and had been at Blinn junior college. He, he recruited me and, and I just really liked it. You know, I took unofficial visits to like Cal and UCLA and all the schools like that. And it just, you know, it, it probably the best coach at the time that I knew of, um, you know, like John Rimbaud was not as big as he was later on, you know, because he was still small school. Um, probably uh, one of the better high jump coaches was Ed Miller at Cal, but, you know, Ed didn't re- really recruit me a lot, you know, in, in, uh, UCLA and USC, they, their jumps coaches were volunteer assistants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, um, Current and then at UCLA when you were, you yeah, were- he was there, but it was this guy, Monte, uh, what was Monte's last name. I don't even remember Monte's last name, but, uh, you know, he, they had volunteer assistants and, you know, and, and it wasn't like, you know, like Bobby was not, going to work with me, you know, and stuff like that. And I kind of learned that on my trip and I was kind of excited to work with him potentially, you know? And so, um, so that it was, it really was down in Wisconsin and UCLA and cause I'd gone all the football games and basketball games. And, you know, I just always had, you know, thought I was going to go to UCLA and, uh, you know, just, I went on my Wisconsin trip and I really just felt at home and, you know, since I was adopted and, you know, had traveled a lot, actually was, pretty fortunate as a young player. I was a really good soccer player. So I got to go to Europe when I was like 12, 13. Um, you know, I got to travel because I was, you know, seven, three, seven, four high jumper. I got to travel, you know, internationally in high school still and around the country. And so, um, it, I, it was comfortable to go to Wisconsin and, and I liked it. I had a, they had a good molecular biology program, which is my degree. And, um, I, I enjoyed it. I learned a lot while I was there and it was just, you know, I really feel like, I mean, as long as it's a good decision, I feel a lot of kids should go away and experience different things. You right. know? I think it's good for them um, because then it makes me realize how much I love <laughs> living in California. <laughs> yeah. It re- almost like reverse psychology, right? But yeah, yeah, exactly. Experience that the other side and realize how good you had it. But um, it sounds like you made the right decision career wise, as far as, you know, finding a good, you know, coaching match instead of staying in California and, and not, you know, not getting any. Yeah. It, it, you know, you just, I mean, I think I was one of those athletes that would have been, you know, and it struggled. I struggled at Wisconsin. I'm not going to lie. I struggled because, you know, academically I did really, really well, but like, just, you know, I remember the first day of training and I, you know, I didn't, I literally, this was my senior year of practice was Monday, do some approach work in the long jump to a little bit of running Tuesday. I would go jump seven feet practice. I mean, I made 26, you know, I made high seven feet, 26, 28 times, but I literally every Tuesday during the track season, I made seven feet in practice. Like it was like, I couldn't go home till I made it. And some days it, I'd take four jumps and I'd be done. And other days I'd probably take 16 jumps and be done. But yeah. it was great. It was like clockwork every Tuesday, jump seven feet, you know, and then Wednesdays, we wouldn't do much Thursdays. We'd probably have a meet Friday. We don't, wouldn't do much. And Saturday we'd have a meet. So I go to college and, and I go to my first day of practice and, you know, we do all this stuff and I'm done. And I'm like, Oh my God, coach, that was a hard workout. He's like, no, that was the warm up, Right. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, and I'm not afraid of hard work. That's not it. It was just, it was too much too soon. 
you know, you, you took me from basically not training and just jumping. Um, and, and, and at high school, I had a good work ethic. I like, I remember getting up at 6am, you know, in the morning and Monday, Tuesdays and Thursdays and going with uh, our local, uh, tennis player who ended up getting scholarship. And one of the athletes, we used to go run the stadiums and do a workout at the, uh, um, at Cameron high school. Right. You know, and, and so like working wasn't hard. It was just the volume of work. It just, it took me two years to get out of that hole. I didn't jump seven, four again until I was a junior really? in college. Yeah. And so it was, it was, it was too much too soon. And uh, that helped me too, from a coaching standpoint, because it, it, it really taught me how to transition, yeah. uh, you know, athletes, whether at the college level, I mean, Will Clay is probably the best story. I mean, the guy was supposed to be a senior, his freshman year in college, he literally came to me in December and I like, you know, was soft gloves. I mean, we didn't do anything technically strong. I didn't make him lift heavy, super heavy weights. And the guy wins NCAAs as what would have been a senior in high school, you know, broke the American junior record. And also, you know, was all American in the long jump. The guy goes from, you know, 24, 10 and like 52 feet to 56, four and 26, three, you know, in three months, you know, and it was just because I think my experience of being overtrained, I made sure I tried to undertrain them. And so, right. you know, and, and I had a lot of success with, you know, I, have a, I had a lot of success with people out of high school and college. And I also had a lot of success. I've had a lot of success with people out of college going post-collegiate because you understand those nuances. Right. That, that's an interesting thing that you brought up. We've, it's been mentioned quite a few times here, uh, you know, with previous guests, but uh I do remember uh, working with Lee Balkin at uh, UCLA and he uh, you know, we, we were, I was trained by two high jumpers. My first two years is Del Davis and, and Lee Balkin, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we didn't really have a, a high jump coach cause you know, Bob Larson shook my hand the first time I met him and he said, hi, I'm Bob Larson. I work with the high jumpers and he goes, I don't, I don't know any, anything about the high jump. So, so, you know, basically Dell and, and Lee trained me and, and they were jumpers, not coaches. So we did a lot of dumb stuff. We did way, way too much volume and yeah. just crazy stuff. And I, I remember Lee shortly after leaving UCLA uh, and towards the end of his senior year, he jumped pretty high, but then after he left, he jumped, you know, seven, six and a half, seven, seven. And I said, what, what made the big difference, you know, from jumping seven, four, you know, to seven, seven after he left, he goes, I didn't train as hard. <laughs> literally yeah. way less volume and, and way yeah. results. So, and especially uh, for a high jump. I mean, that's, I think the thing that, you know, I think people, you know, long and triple, yeah, you got to be able to be fast and you got to be able to run and stuff like that. But I mean, high jumpers, I mean, you know, uh, Ruth Bedia, the, you know, it's Rio champion. She smokes two packs of cigarettes a day. <laughs> you know I mean? Because for her, it's about weight. He had strength in the weight room. She probably doesn't run anything for further than 40 meters. But for her, it, you know, being six foot four, she needs to be 145 pounds. And so the only way she does that is appetite suppression and eating, you know, smoking. And so, you know, it, it, it really, you know, as I've gotten older, I really realized that like, you know, these running into the wall, burying the people. I mean, it really is tendon strength, uh, elastic strength. Uh, muscle stiffness and that's probably more important than anything for a high jumper you know and yeah, it, it shows I mean I was more consistent as a senior in high school than I ever was ever throughout my career, career after that you know right and so that speaks volumes of how elastic energy and stuff like that you know kind of are can be more important you know yeah 
Wow. That's uh that you brought that up. I, I remember um in um Patrick Joberg, you know, you know, from Sweden in the eighty four Olympics came in second to to Mogenberg. And uh when they interviewed him, he admitted to being like a two or three pack a day smoker. Like yeah. you're talking about, and uh, he said the reason that he did that was that he would, if he hadn't, he would have been a shot putter instead of a high he's jump. A big, yeah, he's a big guy. I mean, you look at those guys. I mean, you know, everyone talks about what's what's Mutaz is special. Mutaz is special because he's six foot four and he weighs one hundred and forty five pounds. Right. I mean, I mean, I'm on five nine. I was one forty five. I mean, imagine me, you know, like being, out. you know, like eight inches taller with the same weight and still having the same jumping ability. And that's why he, you know, is able to jump what he does. And, and you know, he's a good friend and he's a great guy. And, and I joke and he says he's, you know, he's always hungry, you yeah. know, because he, yeah. he, he's got to limit how much he eats, you know, and, yeah. and so he can't wait till he's done. So where he can eat whatever he wants. <laughs> that's a goal, right? So does yeah. I can retire so I can eat something. That's yeah, great. exactly. And and so like that, that's, uh, you know, I, I work probably one of the bigger guys I work with and I work with Wu um, who jumps for Korea, just set the national record. So he comes and trains with me for, you know, I mean, he trained with me for the six months leading the Olympics and he nice. had unbelievable. And he was just out here for, you know, six weeks and then just went to Europe and got 36 and took the world lead. But um, you know, it, it's, it's, it, we he was literally in uh uh doing his military training for two months after the olympics that's why he kind of disappeared right. and then he came back and he's not in great shape right now i mean i can tell you he's not in great shape and he jumped 236 and so i'm i'm really excited to see what he's going to do this summer after he comes and trains with me for like you know th- we'll go he'll he'll go to world indoors and then after that we'll get a nice good three-month training before world outdoors and i expect him to do something pretty amazing right so, so he, what I, I remember seeing his name and I remember um, when I did the interview with Tyler Arroyo, he, he mentioned that name and he said, you know, he, he just profited tremendously from being down there and training with you guys and watching these guys that, had, you know, were on such a higher level than he was at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he went from what, seven, he went from 220 to what, 227 or 228. No, I think he went. 30 didn't he or something say, 30, or 20 28 or 29 well what is five and three quarters 227 okay yeah he went 28 yeah he went 28 28 but then he took good jumps at seven six and a half no he did i mean i watched him he he was on fire every time he came to the center i felt like he pr'd <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right yeah he, so. he talked that up quite a bit um and that was another another time that your your name was mentioned obviously but then uh yeah he mentioned uh the young man from korea now what didn't he place in the Olympics? He finished fourth, unfortunately. He just finished yeah. third. I was he made thirty-five, which is seven, eight and three quarters on his first attempt. And or his second attempt or something it was. No, for first attempt, I think he was. And then he was tied actually for the lead. And then obviously Mutaz and in um in uh Tim Barry both jumped thirty-seven. And then oh man, and then uh the Maxim or whatever the the Belarus guy squeezed over on his third. If he would, if if Maxim would have missed that, um, then Wu would have been the bronze medalist. So he jumped thirty five, one of the highest places for fourth ever. And so, you know, it's just it's crazy. And so you know, it was just a few misses. I mean, Wu will miss the medal by two centimeters. First time in Olympics we've missed a medal yeah. uh, in the triple. You know, Wu missed the one by height. 
uh, Brittany literally was leading the competition until the last jump. And so it was just, it was a very heartbreaking Olympics for me, you know, cause it was like, we had, you know, so many medals and so many things right in our grasp and, you know, we didn't perform our best. We did. It was just, you know, that's, 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 that's sport. And that's why you show up, you know, in the Olympics too. Right? I mean, from what I usually, in my remembrance, the, the Olympics doesn't hold up to some of the better world championship years, but it's no, I, that men's high jump was one of the best ever, but yeah, you're right. I mean, usually the world championships are much better. I mean, I remember I think it was Moscow. It was like, I think Eric jumped 36 or 35 and finished like fifth or something like that. It was not so, I mean, it was just, it was crazy. And uh, yeah, but a lot of times, I mean, you look, you go back to 12, I think uh, 29 on your first attempt got a medal. Right. Uh, in 16, I think 29 on your first attempt got a medal. And yeah. then you go to this Olympics and you jump 35 and you get fourth, <laughs> you know, what did, what did uh, um, Javon Harrison jump? He jumped, jumped 32. He jumped 32. And that or 33. Yeah. He finished like six or seventh. Yeah. Some of the highest anybody's ever jumped to get seventh. Yeah. 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 It was just, I mean, it was a, just a crazy good competition and it had so much energy. It was, it was pretty exciting. So. Yeah. It was so. great for, for high jumping. I, I do wish, uh, and you and I, I talked about this the other day, but I do wish that we had, the same kind of uh, rabid interest that only the Olympics seems to generate, you know, around track and field here in the States on a yearly basis, you know, um, just the drama and, and all that, you know, and, and stadiums full of people, you know, and um, I, I do, I don't have any uh, experience in that, that realm. I never made it, a, you know, across the, the oceans to jump against anybody, but um, what, what do you think about that as far as, uh, the, you know, we, we were talking about the popularity of track and field here in the States compared to abroad. And is it, is it still as awesome over there in, in the European countries or is it, you know, waning? Yeah, How's it, it? It's not, I mean, when I, I admit when I was uh, 2000, I think, or 99, you could go as a high jumper and make 30, 40 K and you could jump twice a week and they had high jump only meetings and they had so many of them. And there's very few now. There's probably three or four per summer, if that. And it used to be like, honestly, like you could do, uh, you know, you could high jump almost every other weekend or something like that. Um, same with, you know, long, triple, all those different events and um, just track in general. I mean, it was, you literally lived in Europe for two and a half months and, you know, you came home with a nice salary to live and train the next year. I mean, that's kind of how you did it. And, um, I, you know, it, it's, it is hurting all throughout the world. Um, I think, uh, you know, just, it, it's indicative of kind of the way society is where they only want, have about a two hour intention span. Right. Um, so they, they have to remake things to be a little bit more creative, but I think we failed in our ability on how to, show the sport i think that that's what hurts too um i think that you know there's just so many ways to elevate the sport i mean it could be we have the technology now to sit there and when the bar's at seven six you could easily sit there put a hologram of uh shaquille o'neal standing under the bar right while they're jumping great yeah 
like like you could sit there and you could have a hologram of a uh, limousine in front of the long jump and see that the athletes are jumping the length of the limousine. You right. could, or a whale or something like that, or yeah. a shark or something. You could, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you could sit there and you could, you know, have in the hundred now, uh, put an average Joe in the hundred. So you could see really how slow, you know, or how fast they're running, you know? Right. right. Um, I mean, there's just so many creative ways in our sport to sit there and, you know, like, like you can put a hologram of a, you know, like, I don't know, like discus throwers are throwing 220 feet. So sit there and imagine, uh, you know, just do maybe a hologram on TV or in the meet where you're showing them, okay, yeah, they just threw the length of, um, I don't know, like, uh, a super train or something, you know, I, I don't know. Right. Like, I mean, you know, it's what yeah. other people think about like a shot put, you know, yeah. sh- literally you, we have the technology to sit there and have a bowling ball and saying, Hey, he just threw the bowling ball 75 feet, which is, you know, he just threw the bowling ball over, uh, you know, something. I mean, it, it just yeah. become creative with it, do a little production, do a little bit of, right. you know, creativity with the sport. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, like when they had uh, Mutaz and they had him like jumping over a basketball court, they had him jumping over all these things. And it became this hot meme on Instagram of him yeah. high jumping over different things. Or now they love, you know, they like to put, uh, you know, they sat there and said with uh, the one who's the big, the fast kid from Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the wide receiver, I forget, I'm blanking on his name. But oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, but but they had him like where he would be if he raced uh, Usain Bolt in the 200 or something like that, you know, and, and things like that. And, you know, I know people come in the sport complain about it, but if it brings everyday popular people to the sport, then do it. I mean, yeah. Unfortunately in our world, there's people know the hundred, they know the mile and they know marathons. And so that's where all that people who get paid for those three events and in the field events, in the U.S., if you're not a medalist, you're probably not getting a sponsorship. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and, and I'm not, you know, despair. It is the truth of the matter. I'm not, you know, making up something. It really is the truth. And then, you know, but you've got distance athletes, you know, who will never even make a final at, a, at, an, um, at the U.S. championship. I'm not talking about the Olympics, the U.S. championships. And because people understand, you know, 5k's 10k's all those things people run they'll be on sponsorship for at least a you know four-year period you know and and i'm not bitching about it it's just the truth of what's happening you know and 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 so uh you know i think that you've got to get creative to expand the sport um make things smaller shorter windows yeah for people to really follow and highlight the different events. And that's the problem. I mean, you, you, we get, what do we get at the Olympic trials? We get the winners. We get the, they show us three jumps by the three athletes who made the Olympic team. That's it. They don't show any of the drama that, Oh, Hey, this guy, I mean, in 2016, the men's long jump and every round, a new person was on the team and it was dramatic. It was one of the best long jump competitions I've ever seen. I mean, you had the winner jump 859. You had the second place, jumper jump 858 you had the third place guy jump 840 the fourth click 842 the fourth place guy jump 842 and they the third 
place guy beat the fourth place guy because the second best jump. And then you had 838, 837. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. And and the depth was amazing. And they had the worst coverage ever. They basically showed two jumps and that was it. And they didn't show like the whole stadium was paying attention to the men's long jump because it was just so exciting. Yeah. Well, we we've had this discussion before on, on the, the podcast too, where, um, I brought up the fact that, you know, in, in 1986, my senior year at UCLA, Prime Ticket sent their first cameras uh, to one of our meets and they sent it to the Cal meet. And uh, yeah, okay. we were all excited, you know, we're going to see ourselves on, on TV later. <laughs> and that was a rude awakening because all those cameras on each corner of the track and, and a four hour track meet and, and everything else. And uh, they didn't show one field event that I remember high jump, long jump, triple jump, none of it. They showed every lap of the men's 10,000, which, you know, the announcers were bored trying to come up with something to talk about while they watched people run around in circles. And um, it really hasn't changed much, you know, in the, all the years since, as I've, as I've watched it, I'm like, you know, I'm a f- American fan of all kinds of things. And I've watched, uh, you know, from football in the Super Bowl to, um, you know, a golf tournament. And yeah. if a golf tournament can have a camera on every hole, and as it's going on, go, hey, we're going to take you to the 14th tee right over here because Tiger Woods just smashed this ball 350 yards and it went into the hole for a double eagle, you know, and, and they show it to you. Yeah. And, you know, then they say, let's cut over here. This guy just chipped in for birdie over here, you know, and football is the same way. They give you great camera angles and they're always mixing it up and they're changing this and they're changing that. And, you know, it's exactly what you're talking about. You know, track and field is a, is a three ring circus of great activity going on. And there's a never ending stream. If you had that guy that's used to being in the truck at a football game or being in, you know, the, the broadcast booth at you know, the, the golf tournament and the guy that says, Hey, cue camera three, we're cutting over here to this, you know, okay, yeah. cue camera four, you know, the world record holder is getting ready to go and, you know, have somebody that knows what the heck they're doing and can put it together. You'd get a great show, you know, because sure. you have, unending drama like you said in in the middle of all that you know it'd be nice to just have someone go okay we're shutting down everything right now and we're gonna go over and watch this long jump competition because it's just stupid right now and these guys exactly building you know and and that's the things they do i mean they should have had ryan krauser every round of his throws at the olympic trials i mean you knew oh yeah the, the every it was the everyone knew he was going to break the world record. It was just like, you know, you knew it, you just felt it and he did it. And it's like, they showed it, but like, they literally should have, you know, stopped the 10,000 who wants to, I mean, no offense, but like outside <laughs> of distance runners, you don't, I mean, put the 10,000 up in the top corner yeah. and, and Let's which see. I'm not, I'm not being disrespectful to it. I'm saying you could put it up in the top, top corner, watch it and still pan through you know, because that's what they do in Europe. They literally will have a 5K or 10K and they'll literally put it up in the top of the corner. And then when the, the break happens or whenever the exciting, you know, the last lap, two laps, when things happen, sure, they, 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 they sit there and they, they go back to it. So you can watch it the whole entire time or do a split screen or something like that. Yeah. And that here they just want to watch, you know, the 10K and, and you know, watch it and, and or show it. And it's like you can put other things during that time. <laughs> You know, they're running for 32 minutes yeah. on the women's side, 31 minutes on the women's side, 30, whatever at, at the, yeah. at our U S level. And, you know, about 27 at the men's level, you can literally show, 
you know, other events and, and show some of the leaders and say, hey, this person's made the team in this and still not be disrespectful to the 5 and 10K and have them up in the top of the corner, you know, as you're watching it and stuff like that. And But the production value is just poor in the U.S. I mean, the Europeans know how to do it. Um, and we just don't take the time and we don't want to do it for whatever. Because, I mean, I know there's people in track who tell people this is the way we should do it. But it's just not how they do the production. I mean, you watch the Olympics and it's like they have these great stories, but they don't really show a lot of the events. I mean, it's like, hey, yeah, you know, by the way, we showed this person getting the silver medal. That's it. And I'm like, yeah. you know, so. It would be great to, to see. I, I always complain and I'm sure I drive my wife crazy and I drive anybody else crazy that's listening to me. But I'm like, you know, as much as I love it here in the U.S., you know, I want to see. First of all, I'd like to see everybody, like you said, in, in the high jump jump. And then it's like I would like to see and have have it explained to people that don't know the intricacies of, you know, passing at certain heights and you know, I, I've been watching for years now and I'm like, okay, the bar seems to start at 215, 215, 220, 225, and then it starts moving up slower. You know, so mm-hmm. you, you can go in five centimeter increments, which I remember from college, and then all of a sudden it's going four, and then it's three, and then it's two. And it's like, and I remember watching that going, well, you can't jump every one of these. You know, I mean, you could, mm-hmm. but who wants to? And if you're going to, you know, you're on top of your game, you're definitely not going to do that. And it, it's interesting to see, you know, one guy decides to jump to 35 and maybe if they're really on top of their stuff and they know they're, they're good, they might pass 237, you know, and wait for the bar to go up to, you know, and if you're, if you understand that and you're watching that, that's, that's really dramatic, you know, here, you and I came up in the same system at the high school level. Now you jumped a lot higher in high school and you may not have had, uh, you know, as many people pushing you like you said you got to the one state meet and the one guy went seven feet I'm like ah but you know when you, when everything goes up two inches at a time there's very little drama you either yeah. jump the other person or whatever but I, was, I remember thinking a while back I go hey, you know it'd be a lot more interesting to go ahead and just say well let's go up three centimeters at a time and then get people going on alternate ones you know where it'd be yeah. like you don't have to jump the same height as anybody else and yeah. nobody expects you to jump every three centimeters because you you don't have that many jumps in you you know yeah, yeah. So, and, and and that's you know and that's part of the you know and so in high school i remember i jumped six four past six six jump six eight past six ten and jump seven feet because right. i knew like those were my comfortable ones and i knew i made it and actually my senior year i think we had six people jump seven feet and in the state and we had a guy uh art lloyd he jumped seven two or seven three maybe and i remember it was always me and art because art you know ended up playing basketball i think at nevada or something like that but art jumped seven two at mount sack and i jumped seven three so it was always like someone there you know who's gonna jump higher and i think the only reason art didn't jump well at state is because he long jumped also at the same time and that's why i didn't long jump and so um but yeah like the intricacies of Aminato, like it's a perfect example. He, you know, passed and didn't pass at, you know, the Olympics because he was trying to, you know, get a medal. And so he passed and he tried to win the thing in, in London. And, you know, potentially maybe it did cost him a silver or bronze, but, you know, he was going for the win and that's why he was there. And so, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, and Amy, I think Acuff did the same thing during her career. She didn't want a medal. She was trying to go for the win. And so, right. 
Um, you know, so different mentalities, different people, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, um, you know, but just, just, I mean, you've seen so many great, amazing, you know, kind of stories, even within our sport of just, you know, obviously I'm more to the jumps, long jump, high jump, triple jump, but there's just so many great stories within, you know, competition and, um, but you never get to hear those stories because of the fact that um, they just only jump, you know, yeah. uh, Brittany, Brittany in 2016 indoors in, in Portland, uh, I've Sponovich, um, Ivana Sponovich, she jumped 708 and passed Brittany and was take, took the lead on her fifth round jump. Right. And uh, you know, and then Brittany has the last jump and she jumped 722 and, you know, it was one centimeter behind her, world lead our world our american record and you know responded and it was just so exciting and they just so oh yeah Brittany jumped 722 i mean of course that's not exciting <laughs> you know it's the fact that she responded and had one more jump to do it i mean that's and right. they took some of that excitement out of there on the tv you know yeah. so so, so. Well, uh, talking along that line, we, we both have this uh, love for the, the sport, you know, that we competed in in college and you can c- com- continue to compete in outside of college and at a much higher level. And now you're giving back to the sport, you know, training athletes, uh, not only here from the U.S., but around the world, uh, people that come seek you out. What is it that uh, is is driving you now? What What would you like to see happen with your uh, training center and, you know, what are your, your goals here in the the near future and the even the farther future um one of the cool things i did is i created a website it's called mva.services and on there uh the reason i created it was because of i've literally and i'm not joking i had had thousands of people ask me about training and videos and all that kind of stuff and so i made a subscription kind of uh service for athletes and coaches to go to because like you know and, and it's a hundred dollars a month which you know, I think is an unbelievable value because it's, you know, you're, um, can you hear me, Troy? Yes. I'm listening. Are you still? Let me see. I can still hear you. Can you hear me? Let me do this. Any better? Hello. All right. We're having small technical difficulties. Listening to Jeremy. Let's see. Hello? Okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah I think uh, it's with our internet, sir. <laughs> yeah. Can you I, hear me? I was looking up uh, your site. Oh, okay. Said that, Probably so too much know, bandwidth. Yeah. But yeah. I just thought it, so I, I shut it off. So, yeah. <laughs> But I do have it, MVA. Okay services. So I'm going I'm to look that up, but go ahead. Yeah. And so, you know, and with, with the MBA services, it was to really like, you know, I've wrote coaching education, like I said, for USA track and field. Um, and I did it for world athletics and it was just to share my own, you know, it's got 20 years of videos and workouts and training design, training things. I write weekly workouts for people if they want to follow that way, whether it's coaches or athletes. Um, I've, I mean, I've written, you know, uh, training for schools, for their whole team, for the whole year, uh, things like that. But it literally follows and, you know, trains people uh, from elite level to high school level and allows them to kind of follow um, workouts 
training, all these different kind of things. And, and it was long overdue and it was kind of a one-stop shop to have those thousands of videos and stuff. And the cool thing is, you know, the thing I'm really trying to push too is the community board where people can go on and talk. It's free and sign up. And I usually post twice a week stuff so people can see like once we're done, I'll, I'll post some stuff tonight about uh, the community board. And, and it really is a way, you know, to just get the information out there because there's a need. I mean, there's, like I said, there's one point, I think five or six million people do track and field in high school. And uh, uh, there's thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of high schools and middle schools and everything that are doing track. And there's just information that needed to be out there. So I created that. And so um, that, you know, I just, that's my way of starting. Uh, I've got international people, obviously national people to talk about the sport, to get involved in the sport, to get engaged. Uh, eventually, hopefully one day it grows big enough to where then we can start to do um, some philanthropic stuff. That's my big goal is to do free clinics with, you know, Olympic athletes all over the U S and all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so that's the growth of it eventually from a, you know, different kind of standpoint after the season's over, you know, I'm going to do some stuff for the state department where we're going to go to Algeria and then we're going to go to Egypt and we're going to, um, you know, do some stuff, hopefully uh, start to outload or outsource and start to do stuff potentially with some, you know, places in uh, Africa and Central America. And then uh, the big thing is to start obviously with inner city too, because the great thing about track, and you know it and I know it is, it, there's no, besides the pole vault, there's no monetary limitation to do track. Right. I mean, the fortunate thing about the U.S. is there's tracks all over and most high schools have it, whether it's a dirt track or whatever. And you can run, you can sprint, you can jump. And, uh, you know, and that's the great thing about getting it to different places is at least giving them the foundation so that they can have a good base on how to do that. Because jumping literally took me from and you know i wasn't adopted because i was a great jumper but i mean i look at it from a standpoint i was at orphanage in korea to you know being uh, you know in the my best greatest job in the entire world and getting paid to do something i love and spreading spreading the word of it so that you know that's my love and that's kind of just personally to me that's that's my stuff for for mva services now for the training center um, you know, it, it really is, it's kind of sad as, as we've gone, cause I've, I've been at the training center for 11 years and this will be, uh, the last year USATF and the USOPC sponsor, uh, the training center as it is right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's sad because you look at the standpoint of, uh, field events, there just isn't field event groups. There's a throws group in Arizona. I know of there's a throws group in uh, Georgia, there's a jumps group in Georgia and outside of that, everybody jumps with their colleges. And, and I, and I sat, I mean, there's some high school groups and stuff like that. I know a couple of coaches who do online stuff, but there's really not a warm weather jumps place. I mean, there's, there's 10 different sprint places. There's probably 15 to 20 distance enclaves and the field events just, unfortunately, there isn't a lot of places for them. And if you look at the training center and the stuff we've done since the, even since I've been there, uh, we had a couple medals there and now we have, over 25 medals that have been produced from 2011 to 2022. And, you know, we expect to get some more this year. Uh, World record holder, Ryan Krauser, he, you know, was a great uh, fit for him from the time he graduated college till he got to, you know, where he's at. Um, Joe Kovacs, Darrell Hill. um, uh, What's her name? Raven Saunders. 
You know, I mean, I'm talking all about Olympic medalists, world record holders. Uh, And then all the athletes we had at the center, which we had like 11 or 12 make the team and stuff like that. We had five medals in in Rio. We had three in in, uh, London and we have we had one in Tokyo. And so that's average of three medals per championship out of a training center that really financially is was not that expensive to run. I mean, if you're getting return on investment and direct athlete funding, the training center probably was one of the best places in the world. And you had, you know, high jumpers, Eric Kennard always would come out and train at the training center. Uh, Brigitte Barrett trained at the training center uh, for, with me for a while. Um, you know, Wu uh, trains out with me at the training center, but I mean, Bondarchuk, I mean, not Bondarchuk. Um, um, oh, I'm having a brain fart. Uh, who was the, uh, the Ukrainian kid who was really good? Recently, Ivanik, is that how you say it? No, it was no the Ukrainian one who was just who was good from like thirteen or fourteen through probably about sixteen. What was his name? I can't. I'm, it's terrible. But anyways, he was Mutaz's best competition. He was out at a training camp for like you no, know three Bonder- months. Bonder- but yeah, Bondarenko. Yeah, Bondarenko was at the training center. Um, uh, gosh, the Italians used to come out. Um, all the time. Uh, uh, you know, I coached Brian McBride who jumped 235 was us champion in 17, uh, Ricky Robertson, Olympian multi-time world championship team member at the heights and the meets we host and the people before me, you know, um, you look and you got Jamie Nieto and, and, um, uh, gosh, I'm forgetting names, but just on and on and, and on and with Tor Harris, another one. And so, and, and not even that. I mean, you had the Catholics, uh, you know, um, Fashion Eaton used to come to the training center. Uh, it just, it was a great source for a lot of people. And it's sad that, uh, it, you know, we don't know what it's going to be moving forward. And uh, that hurts nobody else. It hurts the field events immensely. And, uh, and um, I'm, it's disappointing. I don't think, you know, anybody obviously is secured a job or anybody is like having um you know i've been blessed to have a job for 11 years yeah. and uh um, i'll continue to work with athletes at the center and do that but uh um, the fact that uh it just is one less place for athletes to go when there's already very few places is it's sad it, it really is sad so they're 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 cutting your funding those yeah yeah so basically uh the usopc funded the center and they sold the program in 2016 and it's now run by eas um the usopc uh was giving money to the center through 21 and they stopped that funding and usatf now having to pay for it with all their programs and stuff chose are choosing not to pay for it right and so um you know i don't put put the blame on any one person uh it's just sad that in the one area that's direct funded uh and and is direct athlete contribution that they're not uh having that available for the athletes anymore so how are you going to keep it keep it afloat um i you know through my uh personal um through the website to have people signed up through mba services um i work with enough foreign athletes that i actually I've been offered so many great jobs that make so much more than I make at the training center that I'm, you know, tr- going to try to use some of those to, uh, you know, hopefully pay myself so that I can, you know, keep doing what I do at the center. So, I mean, I'm committed. Uh, I'm athlete first. 
So I'm committed to the athletes through Paris. I'm not going to just be like, okay, I'm taking my ball and going home right? Uh, just because, you know, it's not funding. I'm going to make it work. Uh, but the great thing is that I think now with the restrictions I potentially had, um, I definitely could make more. I worked with NFL and major league baseball guys too. So I could start doing that speed and agility training if I wanted again, right. uh, work with high school kids if I wanted to. I mean, I have so many different avenues, but uh you know, I think with some of the other federations, uh, that's a good possibility of, of continuing to do what I do and, and get the kids through Paris. And then mm. uh, we'll figure it out after that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, again, uh, well, well organized and, and got a bunch of information there in a short time. Um, so I was just I talked with a couple of my um, athletes the other day and we we're I, I try to get my kids to you know, look at other stuff on Instagram. Instagram has been an amazing thing for me in the last three or four years since I, you know, started coaching privately and uh, just has enabled me to kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit, at least, you know, at, at some uh, athletes from other countries and training. And then, you know, my, my circle has been so small, you know, I've been in Southern California forever. Yeah. You know, I, I stayed here when I jumped, like you said, I, I didn't venture out. I stayed at UCLA, you know, and, um, so, you know, seeing other people train, I've always had those questions like, why do these jumpers do that? And, you know, why, why is it, I was a disparager of a single arm takeoff from my time in, in college. Cause I was a classic double arm, you know, pump guy. And I, I was always like, I can't figure out how these guys are getting off the ground because I knew a lot about strength to weight ratio. And I did the similar thing to you. I know you said you got biology degree first and then came back and got other degrees in biomechanics and whatnot. And, you know, I was always fascinated with the biomechanics. So I was a kinesiology guy at UCLA and, uh, you know, I knew enough about strength to weight ratio and that was not my strength. I was six, three and one ninety five. Dell and Lee were trying to get me to lose like 25 pounds. I don't, I was like, I don't know how to do that. And, um, you know, and then I talked with, uh, you know, Jumpman Westner and he, he says he feels better when he's heavier, you know, from at six, three, he likes himself at two ten, And I'm like, really? <laughs> but then I watched him dunk from the free throw line on his site. So I'm like, okay, but, um, you know, knowing the, uh, looking behind the curtain and seeing these other training, you know, from around the world, I have that same hunger and thirst, you know, that you're talking about. And I, I, I feel like a, a little, just a little beginner, <laughs> you know, I have all this stuff. It's like yeah, so many things yeah. you know, to learn. And, yeah. uh, so I, I really appreciate your uh, yeah. sharing all that information. I'm I'm going to look at the the MBA site, and uh, I would love to get down there to see uh, you in action. Um, yeah, anytime, please let me know. Because there then, a meet uh, coming up. I, I have a young lady that's coming down from Canada to train with me. Um, okay, Barbara Bichaka, and uh, she had mentioned you know something about getting down there, and then I was like. Cause I know Tyler, you know, said he jumped it. I don't know if it was just uh quasi meets that you guys held there or do you guys actually. No, no, no. They're, they're, they're real meets. I mean, they're, they're certified meets. We had, we had hosted uh, uh, six meets last year because basically none of the colleges let it, would let us into meets. Right. And so we hosted, uh, we hosted one big high performance meet that was like, you know, they won money and stuff like that. And that was a, journey to gold meet but we hosted like five other meets basically because the only meet we could get into was azusa pacific for any post-collegiate athlete any you know paralympic athlete or something like that so there was just a need i mean 
usually, you know, we can go to Mount Sac, we can go to Long Beach, we can go to UCLA, all those meets, but they, because of COVID protocols, they would not let anybody not in college in. And and so now that we know obviously a lot more about it, um, you know, we can do more with it, but uh, the um, this year we're definitely hosting a lot less because we don't need to, because there's not that much of a need, but you know, I'm looking at the schedule and I'm looking even for post-allegiance there's nothing available for them once college is done. So what do the athletes do from, you know, Oxy is the last meet that I know of um, on the ninth of, I think, or eighth or ninth of May where post-collegiate athletes could jump. And if, you know, if you've been to Oxy, it's, you know, it's still, it's pretty good coverage, but you you still, there's three or four steps are on the grass, Yes, you know, where ours is a big D and everything, you know, the way it should be. But, uh, you know, we'll probably end up hosting a meet in, you know, mid-May and then we'll probably host one at the first week in Jan- June and that'll be, you know, and, and that'll be it, you know, and that'll be two weeks before U.S. championships and right. more because the athletes, I put, I hate the meets. I hate them. I mean, I have to get all the officials. I have to get all the volunteers. Yes. We oh, do Lord. not have the bandwidth to host the meet. So I'm moving hurdles. I'm, you know, setting things up and, and literally for, from Wednesday night until the meet on Saturday, I'm at my office till midnight doing entries and getting officials, getting their hotels, getting all that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, answering every email under the sun about the meet and all the COVID protocol. And, and, and I miss some of my athletes performing cause I'm just doing all this stuff for the meet and I hate them, but yeah. you know, when at the end of the day, the bigger picture is the af- there's a need. And, and I, you know, as a person who loves the sport, I'm going to make that need. And, you know, it is disheartening because sometimes you've got like eight, you know, last year there was like 12 to 15 jumpers, right. On the men's side. And then on the women's side, you'd have four, Yeah, you know, and you're just like, well, like everybody keeps saying, Oh, I don't have competition. I don't have the meat. I put on a meat and they don't come, you know, and it's just like, it's, it's so disheartening and stuff. And so, yeah. I do it because of the, the greater good of the sport and they're, you know, they're needing, uh, you know, opportunities. Yeah. That's what it is. And uh, Doug's come down and he's helped uh, seen at the meets and he's been at the meets and, uh, and stuff like that. And, and it was a great help and stuff, but uh, we, uh, um, you know, we're, we're definitely, uh, you know, this year we'll have a lot less meets. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Jeremy, I, I, I really appreciate your time and, uh, I would, I would keep talking to you for hours and, and uh, <laughs> hopefully we can do this again. Um, I, and, you know, just on the aside, if there's anything my small mind can do, uh, I'd, I'd be happy to get down there and, and, uh, pitch in. I, you know, my schedule is, is, is as maybe as hectic just because I'm still, you know, a school teacher at a high school and then I'm coaching, you know, after work at Vanguard and then I'm still trying to run my private business on the side. So I, I don't have a lot of holes. <laughs> no, no, I, I totally understand. I would that. love I, to get yeah. down there and uh, I have about 4 million questions. So yeah. um, I will. Well, any, you know, in any time, like the great thing is I, because of officials and not having the ability to get officials because of high school and all that stuff, all our meets are on Sundays. So I know that's probably not a uh, thing you want to do on your day off the one day you do get per week, but we'd love to obviously have you down. And and that's the reason I do it on Sundays is because I can't get officials and I can't get timing if I don't do the meet on Sundays. And I've learned that from years of hosting the meets and, you know, and really it's not, you know, it doesn't throw off the 
the schedules of the post-collegiate or the para-athletes and right. stuff. And it's cool because you got para-athletes competing against master's athletes, you compete against junior athletes who are competing against Olympians, you know, and it's, it's a fun environment and it's enjoy it. Awesome. Well, uh, if you can, uh, please send me any information. If I can dig for it and find it on the NBA site, I'd be happy to do that too. But um, for sure, uh, that would definitely be of interest because uh, Sundays are just some of the days that, like you said, I've I've have put aside as a possibility to do things on day. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's, so it's, it's uh, yeah, it's the one day we do get if we're actually here, which is kind of nice. <laughs> I hear you. So. All right, sir. Well, um, again, uh, ladies and gentlemen that are, are listening, my my 50 subscribers or 60 subscribers, I'm trying to drive this up, but I still well, hopefully, I mean, I, I have 13, I'm going to repost up. I have 13,700 or so on Instagram and, you know, whatever on MVA and I'll definitely, you know, repost this. You please send me the link so I can get it out to people. I know some people like to hear it. It'll be neat because I don't really do this where I talk about the sport and talk about mm. things that aren't usually when I'm on a podcast and talking about training specificity and why we do certain things and stuff, which is cool. But, you know, there's probably 25 or 50 of those things out there. It's kind of cool to hear, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the, the love of the sport and, and those kind of things. So, mm-hmm. so thanks for having me. Definitely. Oh yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, that was Jeremy Fisher here on raise the bar. Uh, he's been incredibly gracious with his time and um, did a very uh, good send up on both his own jump history and then his uh, coaching, uh, which has been phenomenal. And, um, you know, looking to the future, both with his training center and his MBA uh, learning online, um, just a tremendous resource for young athletes out there. If you're listening and you've been having questions, uh, it sounds like uh, Jeremy is, has already uh, got <laughs> everything lined up for you. If you want to take the time to go look. So uh, count me as, as one of those, I'll definitely be, be delving into that. And uh, again, thank you for your, your time and your love of the sport and your, you know, giving back to that, the high jump and long jump and triple jump and everything community here in the U S and, and reaching out around the world. It's uh it's a pretty amazing, the scope of what's going on. So uh, best of luck, God bless. And um, we'll stay in touch, Jeremy. For Thank sure. You. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.